chocolate girl, love the mess. I watch the swirl of smoke from candles burning, while Mary looked up yearning. I got confirmed and I confessed. I really felt that I was blessed. Plus, I love my uniform. So did the boy who lived next door. But something changed when I became of age. And all those things I thought were true. Someday I'd break the big taboo. Trying to feel something. I came back home. I won't let go. So much more for me to know. I read the Tao of Physics and all those quantum mystics. Something didn't feel right. The arguments weren't all that tight. And all those things I thought were true. Someday I'd break the big And welcome to Free Forum. My name is Larry Rhodes, or Doubter5. Tonight we have a special guest, John Webster, who will be talking about the tactic of making fun of religion. Um, He's got a new book out uh, called Ten Decisions I Could Have Made Better Than God. We'll mention a few things about that a little bit later on. Uh, but mainly tonight we'll be talking about uh, atheism, free thought, rational thought, humanism, and the sciences. Conversely, we'll also talk about religion, religious faith, gods, holy books, and superstition. Um, if you'd like to call in and discuss any of these things, we have an open phone line at 333-5937. And we do have a dial tone. I just want to make sure real quick, sometimes we don't. 333-5937. And also, despite of what Steve Martin might have you think, there are a lot of atheist songs, and you'll be hearing some of them right here on this program. We'll also talk about some of the atheist and rationalist groups that we have right here in Knoxville and how you can connect to them and several other things. But first, John. Welcome, John. Glad to be on. Um, you've just had this book out how long? I think I published it maybe in uh, the summer of 2015, so it's about six months it's been out. Okay. And you say there are ten decisions you could have made better than God. What there's, makes you say that? There's uh, there's probably more, but uh, ten is a, a good solid number, and uh, ten is a, a very good thing to use when uh, writing uh, articles or listicles. Yeah. And uh, ten was the number I, cho- I chose uh, to make the article and the article did well so I decided to uh, include the title of the article in the book I understand God also uses the number 10 a few times <laughs> <laughs> 10 uh, fingers, 10 yeah. toes, 10 commandments you get the yeah, idea yeah. What, uh, what is just like one of the decisions you could have made better than God, I'm just interested uh, the main one would be not killing my son and blaming everybody else for it 
Yeah. There's actually no reason to kill his son. I mean, is he not all powerful? Does he not have the power to forgive us without killing his son and making that a requirement? Basically a guilt trip. That's really is included in the story. To be sure. Okay, um, talking about this tactic, uh, you know, atheists, I know a lot of them, will use reason and science and evolution and just all kinds of different um, tactics when arguing with the religious people. Um, what makes you think that, uh, well, first of all, do you think that re- ridicule or making fun of religion is a valid tactic? I mean, why should we th- even go I th- there? I think it is a, a very, very valid tactic. It's a very effective tactic. If you could get someone to make fun of and laugh at themselves, then you can get them to break free of their, um, their side of the argument that you, that you're trying to get them to change. Uh, from the, uh, back cover of my book, um, I wrote, what if someone told you they had come up with 10 alternatives to some of God's decisions that were more efficient, caused less harm, and in general were more loving than the 10 decisions God has supposedly made? What if you were told that you could too? In this book, that topic is covered as the author provides entertaining analysis, satire, and criticism of a so-called perfect book while making fun of religion in a way that would make even the most fervent religious zealot laugh. And that is my goal. With, that was my goal in writing the book was to make people laugh. I decided to go about disproving religion by essentially making fun of it in every way I could find in every way I knew how. And I think that is the best, one of the best ways to... Uh, you know, get somebody to uh, change their mind is to get them to laugh at their own uh, viewpoint. Well, for instance, give us a, give us a, an example if you have one there. Um, I, while you're looking, I I wrote an article myself on my website digitalfreethought.com about using ridicule, and I basically said that ridicule is a very tame tactic. Uh, to use when you consider all of the tactics that religion has used down through the age and what they're still using. Uh, I mean, they've used torture and war and uh, psychological warfare and guilt and everything under the sun to get people to believe in their fairy tales. But ridicule is, uh, I think, uh, certainly uh, should be left on the list as far as arguing with that, that viewpoint. Yep, that's true. Um, this is a uh, short blurb called The Bible in a Nutshell. And this basically covers pretty much the entire Bible from uh, Genesis to Revelation and just kind of runs the gamut and summarizes the Bible. Being exists for eternity, then decides he's bored and lonely, then creates universe in six days, then he gets tired, then he decides everybody's a bunch of jerks. Then he kills nearly everyone, including most of the animals, because screw the animals. Then he wants to forgive people. Then he can't. Then he impregnates virgin with himself with plans to commit suicide. Then he tells self he is proud of himself. Then asks self if he can get out of it. Then he tells self he can't get out of it. Then he can't watch himself commit suicide. Then he asks self why he's forsaking himself. Then he dies. Then he rises three days later to be beside himself to sit himself for a hand for all of eternity. Finally, he has some guy on hallucinogenic mushrooms right about the events that surround his eventual return because then it gets crazy. Yeah, really. That, that's pretty good uh, nutshell there. Um, 
it's just surprising that, that anybody, when you put it that way, why anybody would actually believe it. But, of course, the answer is they were raised to believe it. From the very earliest childhood, the very first questions they asked, where they were given these spurious answers and told that they couldn't question it anymore. Not only that, but every authority figure in their life, from the local police officer on the corner to the president of the United States, uh, backs them up on that story. So it's hard, it's hard, I mean, it's not hard to understand how, why they would grow up believing these things. And when you think about it, every different society has a different story to believe, but using the same tactics, they get all of their people to believe their stories. And it's just, it's a wonder we haven't just wiped each other out totally at this point through uh, religious wars. As uh, Richard Dawkins once pointed out, the reason that people, most people, uh, belong to the religion they belong to is because of geography where they were born and they were born into it. The family they were born into uh, had that as the religion. So uh, uh, hardly, uh, not that many people change their religious viewpoints throughout their life. Some are fortunate, like like we did, to uh, you know realize it's a bunch of nonsense and kind of grow out of it. But uh, most people stick with the same religion throughout their lifetime. Yeah, and just. How many people actually ask themselves how lucky they are to have been born into just the correct religion and just the correct sect of that religion? Uh, and and when they change sects, they're picking the exact right one to to change to. And then they all consider that they're they are not they're not the ones that are going to go to hell. It's the non-believers or the other believers. Um, but the thing about it is, everybody is going to some other religion's hell. There's no exception. Nobody's safe from that fairy tale. Yep. So what else did you want to uh, look at in your? Uh, I guess we get started on uh, page twenty-five. Okay. This is a uh, new parchment reveals extended prayer in Garden of Gethsemane. I will go ahead and read the article, and if I will uh, play the part of Jesus, you can play the part of God. I think you have very voice, a, a very good voice for the part of God. Okay. Thanks. New parchment reveals extended prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. Throughout history, many scholars have suspected that the prayer Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane was too short due to the fact that Jesus refers to the time he spent praying in Luke 22.40 as one hour as he discovered his disciples had fallen asleep when he said, Could you not keep watch with me for one hour? They also imagined, due to what Jesus was getting ready to, ha- due to what was getting ready to happen to Jesus, that he would be crucified. He probably had a lot on his chest, and the actual conversation between him and God was longer. Recently, an early copy of the Gospels has been found. Of course, this is iron- the, irony. The, 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 this yeah. is uh, satire, yeah. Okay, satire. Yeah, R- recently, an early, go- an early copy of the Gospels has been found. In an account of a lesser-known, apost- a lesser-known disciple, Apostle Steve, the 13th disciple, indicated that the prayer Jesus prayed was much longer than the single sentence Luke spoke of. In the new parchment, Steve included the transcript of the entire prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. Here now, for the first time, is that prayer in full. O my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. Uh, Sure. Really? Psych. Not going to happen. You're so mean. Any chance I can get out of this? People have wronged me. The only way I can forgive them is that if you are tortured to death. And that makes sense to you? Look, 
it's been tons of prophecies about this in scripture detailing out exactly how you will die i can't back off now i'm too invested it's bad enough they treated mom and joe now this what do you mean well, for starters, you got mom pregnant in a time and place where if a woman was even suspected of losing her virginity before marriage, they would kill her. So, what's your point? Couldn't you have at least waited till they got married? They nearly stoned her to death on her father's doorstep until Joe stopped them. And if that wasn't bad enough, you got her pregnant on a timeline where she would have to travel 70 miles nine months pregnant on the back of a donkey. And then you weren't even chivalrous enough to give her a room at the end to give birth to me in. Made her deliver to me. Made her deliver me in a barn because you apparently wanted me to have humble beginnings. Don't talk to your father that way. If you don't watch your mouth, I'll have everyone refer to you as, to your execution date as Good Friday. You wouldn't. Try me. This is BS. Done. You're a bad father. Just for that? I'll have everyone wear little crosses around their necks so that after I bring you back and you have ascended to heaven and sit by my right hand, your followers will be wearing a consistent reminder to you of the way you suffered, which will then probably make you have flashbacks and give you PTSD. What's PTSD? Don't worry about it. You're so confusing sometimes. I'm mysterious. You're a jerk. This sucks. I'm not doing it. You don't have to. <clears throat> I'm sorry, you don't have a chance. I am the Lord. <laughs> and I actually end uh, several different satirical articles that way with uh, God trying to get his way by saying, I am the Lord, which is pretty much the way he operates in the Bible. If he tries to get somebody to do something, they won't. He just says, I am the Lord. Well, even, if, even after he did, look at Job. He spent like several chapters saying, what right do you have to question me? And if, if, if you're being cruel and, and a dick, you, you, you have every, uh, you can be ex- every expectation or, uh, of being questioned. It's just people don't have the guts these days because they think they'll be sent to hell for it. Yeah. Now you gotta remember also that in the Old Testament there was no hell. So you would think that people would have, would have questioned him more like back then. It wasn't until Jesus came along he brought the concept of hell with him. <laughs> create the problem, create the problem, offer the solution, end up looking like a hero. Yeah, yeah. Okay, it's about a quarter after. I think it'll take a minute to play a song. Uh, one minute. Uh, this is Shelly Siegel. I don't believe in fairies.
on the radio free thought hour uh free thought radio hour wzo radio 103.9 low power fm in knoxville tennessee today we have a special guest john webster who's reading some from his new book 10 decisions i could have made better than god welcome john thank you for having me on uh one thing i'd like to mention before we go any farther is that we have an atheist tv call-in show here in knoxville it's called the free thought uh, free Thought Forum, and you can see it every Tuesday between 5 and 6 o'clock on Comcast Channel 12, which is the public ac- access um, station here in Knoxville, uh, Community TV. Uh, you can watch it also streaming online on the ctvnox.org website, and you can also find archives of these shows on YouTube where a fan has been posting them. Just go to YouTube and do a search for Free Thought Forum Knoxville. We have over five years of archives of this TV show on YouTube. If you're interested in becoming involved with the show, like remember the Atheist Experience out of Austin, Texas, I've had a show for almost 20 years now. If you, we're doing something similar to that here in Knoxville, if you'd like to become involved, just come to an Ask Meetup or an RET meeting. Uh, that's Tuesdays or Sundays. Uh, to find out more about it, you could be our next TV co-host. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, Ask is the Atheist Society of Knoxville, and they meet Tuesdays at Barley's Tap Room and Pizzeria in the Old City for happy hour food, drink, and conversation. So that's Barley's Tap Room Tuesdays at six o'clock or five thirty-six, whatever. We usually go to about eight. RET meets on Pellissippi State Campus by. Harper, what's that road? I can't remember it. It's uh, Solway. Solway. It's in the area of Solway. It's off of Pellissippi Parkway. Um, I think it's Solway, isn't it? Something Valley Road. Harden Valley Road. Harden Valley Road. That's it. But go to rationalist.org to find out more information about those meetings, or go to knoxvilleatheist.org to find out about the Atheist Society of Knoxville. 
Okay, I understand that you've got a, uh, John, you've got another parchment that you've found, or has been found <laughs> recently, and uh, you'd like to tell us about it? This is a uh, another satirical article about religion that I've uh, come up with. Uh, there, there seemed to be a, a theme of uh, me discovering new parchments <laughs> yeah. that reveals mm-hmm. uh, extended, that. extended discussions in the Bible. Mm-hmm. This is called New Parchment Reveals Extended Version of Jesus' Parable of the Poor Widows Last Month. No, you're on page is that one? 29, 29. Okay, got it. In Mark 12, Jesus tells several parables, probably because he's weird like that and likes to confuse people, to explain certain concepts. Near the end of the chapter, Jesus observes a poor widow giving two mites, all she had, as an offering to the temple treasury. He goes on to tell his disciples how great her offering was and how she gave more than the rich men, who, go, who though they gave much, only gave part of their great fortune and extols her as a model example of how much a person should give to the Lord. Recently in Jerusalem, a new parchment has discovered, a new parchment was discovered, which reveals the rest of that conversation. Here now, for the first time, is how that discussion went. Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she out of her poverty put in everything, all she had to live on. I know, Jesus. That's exactly why we shouldn't have, why she shouldn't have done it. Uh, Peter, being Peter, that was all she had. She had nothing left. These rich men still have money left over to live on so that they can continue to make more money and give to the church. It's bad economics, Jesus. She had no job, no source of income. She'll likely starve to death. She should have kept it and used it as a means to provide more for herself and her family while she tried to make find ways to make more money so that she could then give it to the church. That was a slow clap. Slow clap, yeah. <laughs> well done, Peter. You got me. Maybe I was wrong. Maybe you're right. Maybe everyone should start listening to you now. Would you like that? No, Jesus. Maybe you should die for everyone's sins. Do you want that, Peter? No, Jesus. Are you the son of God? No, Jesus. Then shut up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I like that. It's, it's, it's funny to me that uh, the word of God comes down to all these people and they write it down. But every time they seem to find a new parchment, there's something different on it. Something that contradicts another uh, parchment or adds to it or something. You would think they'd get their story right, if nothing else. Like uh, in the four four parchments that uh, make up the the Gospels of of John, Luke, Paul, and uh, was it Peter? Matthew, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, They can't even agree on who went to the tomb, you know, that Sunday morning. And everybody calls it that he was dead for three days, but he was he was only dead, you know, Friday night to Sunday morning. That's less than two days. I, I just don't understand it. It just makes no sense. Um, of course, you're not supposed to question, and that's that's the whole backbone of religion. Just accept what they tell you, use faith, uh, and go forward. You know, and of course, every religion tells you the same thing: use faith, don't question. But they can't all be right. I think it was once said that philosophy is uh, uh, questions that may never be answered and religion is answers that may never be questioned. 
Yeah, I've heard that said about science, but I think it, it was originally uh, philosophy for sure. So what other thing would you like to bring up on your book today? Uh, it's just full of nuggets like that. <laughs> uh, there's a, a skit near the very end called The Perfect Recruit. It's on page 247. 247? 247. Or 347, I think. Okay. For sure. One second. We don't have much light in this, this room, so it's hard to see these. The Perfect Recruit. Is that it? And I will be the Christian, and you will be the lost person. Okay. I'm lost. This is, <laughs> you're, 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 in, in the, you're lost until the very end, and then you become a Christian. Okay. So uh, this is basically what happens in the uh, proselytization process. Okay. A lost person walks into a church. I hear you've been feeling kind of lonely, kind of depressed. Yes. Well, you've come to the right place. Would you like to have someone you can always talk to, even if you can't find anyone else to talk to? Yes. Would you like to feel like someone loves you unconditionally? Yes. Would you like to have someone who can intervene on your behalf when you feel powerless? Yes. Would you like to have someone who can get rid of those guilty feelings when you have done something wrong? Yes. And the final question, well, it's not really a question, it is a statement. If you don't want to do this, you're going to be tortured forever after you die. What? Is that a threat? Yes. Do you want this person in your life? Well, if you're going to threaten me like that, yes. Where do I call? Where do I sign? Right here on the dotted line. It looks like somebody's already signed here for me. It looks like in blood. Yeah. In order for this to happen, we had to torture someone for the better part of the day. Okay. Yeah. That part is kind of, is kind of depressing. Not really a selling point. Um, but why did you have to do that? That's horrible. Look, we just had to, okay? Okay, I'll, I'll do it. Looks like we have a deal here. All you have to do is give up most of the things you enjoy, your intellectual integrity, 10% of your income, and we have weekly meetings for about an hour on Sundays. I know, I know, football's on that day, but we think you'll get used to it. Here's a book which you will sign here that you believe 100%. But I haven't read it. <laughs> I know, I know. That's the beauty of it. You just have to say you agree with everything that's in it. Never even crack mine open. Read it if you want. It's actually just recommended reading. <sighs> okay. Okay, we're all done here. Now go out there and bring us more recruits. Sounds typical. Yeah. yeah. I like the part about having to torture somebody else for his sins and so that he'll have someone to talk to. Okay, um, we're going to take another little break and bring up a musical interlude. Uh, hold on a second. Here is Atheist Funeral by Dar Dan Sartain. Do 
And we're back. This is Free Thought Radio Hour. I'm Larry Rhodes, and we have a special guest, John Webster, today. He's talking about some of the things in his book, Ten Decisions, Ten Decisions I Could Have Made Better Than God. Um, what have you got for us now, John? This is a, uh atheist poem I wrote called The Poem for Pastors. Uh, I recently uh, posted this photo, posted a meme of this uh, poem online. We'll see how well it does. Um, I have a uh, atheist comedian Facebook page called The Thinker. It has about uh, 7,000 or so likes. And uh, this, is, uh, this is called The Poem for Pastures. Some sell soap, others dope. You made, a li- you made a living off selling hope. Thing is, what you're saying is not true. Financially speaking, I envy you. I make my money off religion too. Except what I do is intellectually honest. Do you know what you're doing? Do you, do you need melatonin to rest? Each Sunday you get up before a crowd, telling lies and proclaiming them loud. Your congregation, you make them proud, awing them with all heads bowed. Do you want a place in history? You got your, your God you worship. You say he's a mystery. You'll probably keep on until you're dead. Pass the plate so your church, church won't be in the red. It's a coping mechanism. That's all it is. You profit from it. It's your biz. Do you really believe what you say is true? Believe something that can't be proven and a reward will come to you. I've analyzed your book, read it the whole way through. Your congregation, have they read it too? Oh, that's right, you cherry pick. A verse here or there, they lap it up quick. Instead of rewarding credulity, how about rewarding investigation? That would be truly the way to find out truth, find out what's real, regardless of how it makes you feel. Is it important to you whether what you believe is true? Because it should matter. It should matter to you. I like that. Uh, there's there's an old joke going around in the atheist circles. It's like, uh, what's the difference between lawyer and I'm sorry, preachers and lawyers? I don't know what you pray. You pay a lawyer to lie for you. You pray preachers to lie to you. <laughs> okay, uh, you've got something in your book that has always struck me as, as very poignant and, and direct. Uh, Ten. Um, the top ten positive aspects of being an atheist? Yeah, you knew just from me saying ten. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's positive aspects of being an atheist. One, I don't allow myself to be told what to do and how to behave once a week, and I don't really, uh, like I don't I really know how to do that and what and right from wrong and acting like I'm an adult. Um, I'm sorry. Like I don't already know right from wrong on my own like I am a child. I'll get it right in a minute. Two, I don't feel severe guilt that never goes away, thinking I am the reason a good man suffered and died. That's an amazing amount of guilt, and they, they really shove that at you. They shovel it, it on. Especially in things like hell houses uh, around Thanksgiving and I mean, Halloween. It's one long emotional man- manipulation. Yeah. Uh, particularly the movies and the passion plays, things like that. Three, I don't believe I'm worthless, useless, and unworthy of love without a certain someone in my life. Four, I don't believe I am a sheep. Five, I don't feel paranoid, thinking all of my thoughts and activities are constantly monitored by an ever-watchful, contemptuous police officer-like figure observing my every move. It's like almost the uh, 
the definition of paranoia. Yeah. Somebody's watching you every second of every day, and they're, they're going to come yeah. after you. I realized the best way on six. I'm sorry. The I realized that the best way to to knowledge and understanding isn't to live in the continual fear of someone, but to seek it out for its own sake. Seven. It's the intellectually honest position to hold. Atheism. I, c- I couldn't agree more, of course. Eight. I do not allow my intellect to be insulted. I realize that I, that I can indeed, rely upon my own understanding, no matter what the Bible tells you. Yep. Uh, matter of fact, our own understanding is the best understanding that we have access to. I mean, anything out of our own is, is somebody else's opinion, somebody else's understanding. And you don't even get to judge it uh, if it comes from the Bible or a preacher. Um, Nine, I take ownership of my own shortcomings. I do not shift the blame onto someone else who I imagine and am told is constantly trying to tempt me and to trip me up so that I'll stumble. I accept responsibility when I err. And this next one, number 10, is the one that is probably most memorable from this article. It's the one that I uh, shared an excerpt of Mm -hmm. when I shared the article online. And the article itself had nearly 100 shares, probably specifically because of this next number that uh, Larry is getting ready to read. Mm -hmm. 10. And this one may be the most important one of all. Many Christians tell me how sorry they feel for me when I when they find out that I'm an atheist, as if they think I'm not happy, and that I can't be happy because I don't believe in God. My response is that it's not like that at all. In fact, it's quite the opposite. The process of becoming an atheist is like when your mom, or I'm sorry, your dad is teaching you to ride a bike without training wheels when you were a kid. He begins by holding fast to the back of your bike. And before you start pedaling, you tell him not to let go. So then you start, and you go a ways, and before you know it, your dad is far behind you, and he's telling you proudly, I let go a long time ago. You're doing it. You're doing it all by yourself. The process of becoming an atheist is like that. You discover that you are capable. You can do it by yourself. In fact, you always have. There is no paternal figure holding on to you, protecting you with his outstretched hand. Outstretched hand. You realize that you are fully capable of succeeding on your own. No one is carrying you on a uh, on a beach somewhere. I like that. You realize that you rise and fall based on your own merit, and you need not give someone else the credit for your accomplishments. They are a direct result of your own thoughts, ability, and actions. It's one of the most freeing and beautiful things you can experience. Atheism is like riding a bike. I like that very much. Thank you. I think you wanted a, you had a, another poem that you'd like to share with us? This is a uh, parody of the uh, poem, Now I Lay Me Down to Sleep. This is called Bedtime for Atheists. This is a parody of that poem. This is the full poem, uh, the full the full version of that, a parody of the full version of that. Now I lay me down to sleep. God's not real, souls are for sheep. I will not this wonderful life forsake for an afterlife that's truly fake. Now I lay me down to sleep. God's not real, souls are for sheep. By reasoning, I think I'm right. With truth and justice, I shall fight. 
Now I lay me down to sleep. God's not real. Souls are for sheep. I debate theists, not out of spot. If the, if they get pissed, I don't care. <laughs> Let's just go with I don't care on that one because I can't cuss in the air. Uh, now I lay me down to sleep. God's not real. Souls are for sheep. For women and gay rights, I will continue to endeavor and fight. Now I lay me down to sleep. God's not real. Souls are for sheep. I strive to alleviate the impoverished plight. Out of superstition, I take a bite again. Now I lay me down to sleep. God's not real. Souls are for sheep. I strive to be clearer in my sight, to see further even when it's not. Now I lay me down to sleep. God's not real. Souls are for sheep. I will continue with my own might until the wrongs are made right. Now lay me down to sleep. God's not real. Souls are for sheep. When debating science textbooks, I will cite until reason is shining bright. For reason's sake, again. Now I lay me down to sleep. God's not real. Souls are for sheep. United as one, we might make them realize they were wrong and we right. Though man be faulted and error prone, may he someday realize before we're gone. Now I, now I lay me down to sleep. God's not real. Souls are for sheep. This resolution we shall make to prove the Bible's not true. No, mostly fake. That sounds like it might be a good song if someone could put music to that. We could talk to uh, Shelley Siegel I've, about it. I've, I've probably written uh, several poems that could be made into songs that way. Yeah. yeah. That would be nice if we could find a songwriter or a music uh, yeah. person for that. Um, let's see now. Let me talk a little bit about some of the organizations here in Knoxville. We talked a little about the Atheist Society of Knoxville and how they meet on Tuesdays. The Rationalists of East Tennessee meet on Sundays, uh, but only the first and third Sunday of each month. But there's also the Sunday Assembly, which started in England just a couple of years ago and spread around the world. It's a no-God church setting for those who have had enough of religion and cannot believe in God, but still like the fellowship of a church-type gathering. You can find Sunday Assembly online <coughs> simply by going to Google and typing in Sunday Assembly Knoxville, and that will take you to the website and find out where that they meet. Uh, you would think that they'd meet every every Sunday, but they haven't got to that point yet. They only meet the fourth Sunday of each month, and it's usually downtown in the um, oh, what is it, the World's Fair Center, um, and one of the restaurants in that area. But you have to look it up. And there's the Humanists of East Tennessee. Uh, they're a meetup group that meets many times a month for dinners, hikes, swimmings, picnics, and general. Um, Act, uh, activities uh, are, that are oriented around singles, but you don't have to be single to meet to meet with them and have dinner and and take advantage of the conversation and, and camaraderie there. <coughs> Excuse me. And then, if you're a student, don't fret. There's the Secular Student Alliance, which has programs to give camaraderie and community to any free-thinking high school or college student uh, who would like to be involved in f the free thought movement or just find secular companionship in the Bible Belt. It's about time for another song, I believe, so let's see if we can pick one here. Um, let's do The Quantum World, My Symphony of Science. So, what are we really made of? Deep, deep inside the atom, when you'll find tiny particles. No. 
held together by invisible forces. Everything is made up of tiny packets of energy born in cosmic furnaces. The atoms that we're made of have negatively charged electrons whirling around a big bulky nucleus. The quantum theory offers a very different explanation of our world. Made of 12 particles of matter, all forces of nature. The universe made of 12 particles of matter, all forces of nature. That's a wonderful and significant story. Suppose that little things behave very differently than anything big. Nothing's really as it seems. It's so wonderfully different than anything big. The world is a dynamic mess of jingling things. It's hard to believe. The quantum theory is so strange and bizarre. Even Einstein couldn't get his head around it. In the quantum world, the world of particles, nothing is certain. It's a world of probability. The quantum theory offers a very different explanation of our world. The universe made of 12 particles of matter, all forces of nature. Made of 12 particles of matter, all forces of nature. That's a wonderful and significant story. It's very hard to imagine all the crazy things that things really are like. Are like. Electrons act like waves, no, they don't exactly. They act like particles. No, they don't exactly. We need a theory of everything. We need a theory of everything. Which is still just beyond our grasp. Still just beyond our grasp. We need a theory of everything. We need a theory. Perhaps the ultimate triumph. The ultimate triumph of science. Offers a very different explanation of our world. The universe made of 12 particles of matter, all forces of nature. The universe made of 12 particles of matter, all forces of nature. That's a wonderful and significant story. I gotta stop somewhere. I'll leave you something to imagine. And we're back. This is Larry Rhodes, John Webster, on the Free Thought Radio Hour. Uh, John, you open your book with ten ways to avoid becoming an atheist, which is kind of strange. Um, I do love that chapter, though. Would you like to go through a few of them or most of them? Sure. This uh, chapter is pretty much satirical in nature, and this is probably my most popular secular article mm-hmm. I've ever written. Um, in three days, it was... Uh, it had 17,000 views in three days, and part uh, of those views was, was in thanks to uh, Faisal Saeed Al-Muttar, a global secular humanist movement, for sharing it on his uh, Facebook page and for uh, 
Herman Mehta for sharing it on uh, Friendly Atheist. And so I'm in debt to them for uh, sharing this article. It helped me uh, earn about 80 bucks off the article in three days, so I'm very appreciative to them for that. This is the top 10 ways to avoid becoming an atheist. Number 10. Don't go to college. Book learning is for sinners. Number 9. If you do go to college, don't take an introduction to philosophy course. If you do, if you do go to college, don't take an introduction, introduction to philosophy course. I can't believe you're asking me to prove the existence of my God. Uh-huh. That was There's a little pun there. K-A-N-T. K-A-N-T, a little pun there for you. Eight. If you do stumble and are the least bit skeptical at all, find yourself a good Bible-believing church and get back to associating with only like-minded Christians right away. It may seem like an intellectually dishonest and insecure thing to do at first, but yeah, you know what? It totally is. Seven. Remember, God knows all and sees all. So if you have even the slightest doubt about your faith... He will find out, and you'll burn for it, which is kind of creepy, sadistic, and unnecessarily intrusive if you think about it. Sort of reminds me of Big Brother in George Orwell's 1984. Six, always remember that the only reason people become atheists is because they want to sin. I mean, it's not like when you become a Christian, you're automatically promised a reward up front for being credulous when you pray the salvation prayer, and as a result, are basically given carte blanche to do whatever you please because you will be forgiven for nearly anything and everything including but not limited to murder, rape, and theft because that'd just be crazy 5. Don't believe the lies of evolution if we came from monkeys why are there still monkeys? am I right? am I right? checkmate atheist 4. Avoid the internet because the internet is where religion goes to die 3. Never read the Bible in its entirety You've successfully managed to avoid all the screwed-up verses by cherry-picking in Sunday school. Why start now? Two, stay away from people who encourage you to think for yourself. Judas thought for himself, and he ended up getting Jesus killed. Well, technically, Jesus was meant to die for your sins, and if Jesus hadn't led the Romans to Jesus, prophecy wouldn't have been fulfilled. And then God couldn't forgive you, and we'd all still be sacrificing goats when we did something bad. But it's best not to think about that. Never mind, I said. One. And last, but certainly not least, actually most important of all, if you see Christopher Hitchens' book, God is Not Great, How Religion Poisons Everything, on a bookshelf at Barnes Noble, leave it there. Remember, curiosity killed the cat. But before that cat died, that cat became an atheist and is now burning in hell. Uh, well, except cats don't have souls, but, you know. Yeah, neither do we, right? Neither do we. It's <laughs> funny that uh, religions have had 2,000 years or better, 2,500 years, to prove the existence of soul and have yet to do so. I think there's actually a uh, an experiment done where somebody tried to prove the existence of souls. Dr. McDonald? And McDougal? You may be aware of it. Um, he recorded the weight of somebody right before they died. And they recorded their weight after they died and tried to say that the weight they lost was... Like two, 23 soul. grams or something. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 and in actuality, the weight they lost was their, you know, the oxygen in their body and all the, um, you know, living components of themselves. Mm-hmm. 
leaving the body, like like well, a, even, o- o- oxygen and yeah. stuff like that. You know, right. The, even if it's true, and they lost some actual weight, which the the study was not conclusive. They only had four people do it. I mean, four people uh, yeah. in the test, which is not a conclusive test. But even if they did lose some weight, there is no reason to assume that it was a gold a soul leaving the body. Nobody's ever just can never demonstrated that souls exist or that they have any weight. I mean, you know, something the leaves the body. The, the weight you, of the soul. How about that? You right. Know that? right. If something leaves the body, you automatically jump to the conclusion that it was a soul. That's a soul. Yeah. yeah <laughs> right. Uh, speaking of Christopher Hitchens, uh, the last chapter in your book is about a conversation that you hope to have with Christopher Hitchens in hell. You want to tell us about that? Sure. Uh, Christopher Hitchens is the author who inspired me to write. Uh, I actually began uh, my book with a poem to Christopher Hitchens. I'm going to go ahead and read the poem now and then, and then read the... Uh, uh, conversation? Yeah, and then read the conversation. Uh, this is uh, This is from the front of my book. This book is dedicated to the memory of Christopher Hitchens. The day Hitch died, I penned a poem about him where I paid tribute to him by vowing to pour myself a shot of his favorite Scotch whiskey, Johnny Walker Black, every year upon the anniversary of his death. Each year, I drink to the memory of the person who inspired me to write. Tonight, I drink Johnny Walker Black. I don't mourn the dead. I mourn for the dying. When I know they are suffering, it's when I do my crying. Hitch, you inspired me to write, reason, analyze, critique. But most of all, you inspired me to think. Tonight, I salute you when I look back. This one's for you, Hitch. Tonight, I drink Johnny Walker Black. Christopher Hitchens, April 13th, 1949, to December 15th, 2011. Very good. So in this conversation that you have with Christopher that's in your book, can I be Christopher? You can definitely be Christopher Hitchens. I, 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 as much as I like Christopher Hitchens, I would much rather uh, play the part of me than uh, play the part of Christopher Hitchens because I don't think I'm worthy enough to play the part of Christopher Hitchens if you want if you think you're worthy enough to play the part of Christopher Hitchens I'll let you do that I'll, 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 I, I can I'll, dream I'll, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll uh, let that be on you okay okay this is a conversation I hope to have with Christopher Hitchens in hell picture the scene as everything and everyone including myself and Hitch being on fire and screaming good God the screaming Imagine all words in the skit being in all caps and punctuated with exclamation marks because of the screaming. I guess you'll play the part of the demon, too, because there's a demon here. Where's Hitch? He's at Barnes & Noble. You have a Barnes & Noble in hell? Of course. Where do you think you are? Alabama? (laughs) And that was the part of the demon. That was not Christopher Hitch. That was the demon in hell. (laughs) Me. Walking through the burning bodies while on fire, myself to Barnes Noble, sees Hitch. Hey, I wanted to know if you read my book. Uh, who are you? John D. Webster. Oh, yes. How did you even read it? Wouldn't it burn up? Why do you say that? Everything here is on fire. We are all on fire. Yes, there's that. I ordered it on Kindle. <laughs> what? A Kindle. How? Well, the Kindle was made from iron, uh, melted down from the iron chariots God couldn't destroy in Judges one nineteen. Oh. Yep. 
Where'd you think of my book? What? What? I can't hear you. Everyone is screaming. Oh, yes, there's that. Uh, you eventually get used to it, though. What? <laughs> I said you get used to it. Where'd you think of my book? Not bad. Nice. Let me ask you something. Was it worth going to hell just to find out what I thought of your book? Totally worth it. <laughs> Very good. And that was readings from John's book, uh, Ten Decisions I Could Have Made Better Than God, uh, available on all major outlets, I'm sure. And uh, John is a member of the Atheist Society of Knoxville and the Rationalists of East Tennessee, and you should be too. <laughs> Everyone should. Yeah. So if you're looking for a good secular conversation and camaraderie, uh, check out the Atheist Society of Knoxville on atheist, I'm sorry, knoxvilleatheist.com or rationalist.org. And let's see what else we have here. We also have a TV show we talked about a little bit earlier. There's a free thought form. You can see it every Tuesday between 5 and 6 on Comcast Channel 12 or on Charter Channel 193. Or you can watch the streaming online at ctvnox.org. Or you can find it the archives on YouTube by simply searching for Free Thought Forum Knoxville. Uh, we have a few minutes left before we get into the final song. Do you have any parting words of wisdom? I think it was uh, Mark Twain that said, and I'm paraphrasing here, uh, against the onslaught of laughter, nothing can stand. And that is one of the reasons that I choose to make fun of religion as opposed to trying to, uh, you know, uh, break it down piece by piece. I choose to uh, poke fun at it to get people to laugh at their own uh, viewpoint to get them to change their mind. And that's the reason I go about it that way. Very good. And this is Free Thought Forum. I'm Larry Rhodes. Uh, we're going to take it out with the final song here. Hold on. Because, uh, let's see. It's Why Don't Bees Go to Heaven? It seems to me the species Homo sapiens carries the Hutzpah gene. To think they are the purpose of the universe When they only just arrived on the scene What's even worse They bear a curse Of believing they're the only form of life To never die And go on living Somewhere high up in the sky Somewhere high up in the sky So why don't bees go to heaven And trees go to heaven Amoeba, krill and fleas go to heaven It's not surprising that they're not arising Cause man created God 